you know, I, I think there can be a negative outlook sometimes. Like people are trying to hold their scene for themselves, you know, like because they have this ownership of it because they love it so much. And that love is great, but, you know, let's share that with people and try and share that with different groups of people that are coming into the scene. This is Champagne is also a band podcast. One songwriter, one song. I'm Sven, your host for a journey into the music of Champaign-Urbana. Recorded in the Blue Box studio with a songwriter from the Champaign-Urbana music scene, past or present. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to be a part of the Champagne Showers podcast network. Welcome to Champagne is also a band podcast. Today, I have Robbie and Chris, and you may know them from the band Rude Echoes. So, Robbie and Chris, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having us. Good thanks to be for here. having us. So today, we're going to be listening to your song, Breathless, off of the EP, Unfriendly Reminder. So without further ado, let's listen to the song. Sunrise introduced me to someone They would one day change everything To them I run and I will catch my breath With you right here And sunset introduced me to their life It would one day fill everything Their dreams leave me breathless Catch my breath with you right here now
welcome back. So, my first and favorite question to always ask is, what came first? Was it the music or was it the lyrics? You know, I would say it was the the idea of the lyrics came first. So, I'm the vocalist and the lyricist. I write all of our lyrics and all like the vocal parts and stuff. I had the idea uh, before the song was even an inception. I wanted to have a song that was like a gender fluid love song because there just aren't many out there and being a non-binary person myself i wanted you know more representation out there they always say write what you know and so when i started writing the lyrics to the song i just pulled from dates that i've had with my partner kind of how our relationship started but wrote about it in a general way for you know people to try to connect with it so it was the idea of the lyrics came first and then kind of while I was writing the lyrics is when we were writing the music for the song. So I had the idea for a while and then our bass player Evan brought that bass riff that you heard at the very beginning, how the song starts. He brought that to the band and I was like, oh, well, I have this idea for this like love song. And so like, let's do like a reggae love song. Let's start building off of your bass riff. So with ska or reggae in general there tends to be an overwhelming sense of maybe happiness it just depends mm, you know the, mm-hmm. the overall genre lends itself to excitement and yeah. fun or however you want to a lot of stuff is written in major keys you know it's a lot of like yeah. major stuff a lot of like you know the choruses are always like these bombastic like larger things usually yeah a lot of dancing totally i feel like you kind of already answered this but th- i'm putting this question out to both of you Mm -hmm. um, and feel free to answer this. Do you feel like this is a happy or a sad song? I feel like there's a a mix of the two, at least from my perspective. I wanted to get kind of your opinions on that. And it doesn't necessarily reflect on relationships, specific Mm -hmm, relationships, but just in general, because the song takes on a life of itself once it's written and it's out there. So Mm, I love that. Yeah. um, I guess, I'm just curious, do you think of it as a happier or sad song? I don't know, what do you think, Robbie? Do you, do you think it's happy or well, sad? I have a really unique perspective, because this song was already written when I joined the band, but musically, it changed a lot once we had a saxophone. We had conversation once I joined the band, like, what should we do with this? We have three horns now, should we make a corral? It was almost like proposed as a joke from our bassist, Evan. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. I love chamber music. I'm I'm a big fan of chamber music. Chamber music was some of the first musical pieces I ever wrote. So to take that middle part of the song and make it a chorale really did add that level of bittersweet sound that kind of makes it unsure of like, is this happy? Is this sad? So the lyrics, if you look at them, they're very vague. They're very just like, oh, I want this to last forever. But I know that it feels really short because I'm having so much fun. And that is kind of the bittersweet nature of a lot of these great relationships we strive for. We we have good friendships, good romantic relationships. And then there's always that feeling in the back of your mind, well, this can't last forever. So I got to really try and make it worth it now. I, I, I totally agree 100%. A lot of songs have like a melancholy nature to them in ska where... You know, it might sound happy, but the lyrics are sad or like the lyrics are sad and it sounds happy. You know, there's good and bad. And I like that is reflected in the song 
since you have this love story, but as Robbie said, it's not lasting forever. It's always fleeting, both the good and the bad. It's always going to be fleeting. So even if you want the longest forever, it's always going to be the shortest now because time is fleeting. So I would say it's both happy and sad. Bittersweet. I guess maybe stepping outside of just this song, I I feel like this is a follow-up question to what I just asked. When you deal with a genre that tends to have a peppy beat, I don't know how to, to ask in the right way where it's like, how ska can sometimes kind of confine you to a certain... Mm. Because it's very... I I mean, I know there's a lot of variation, but Mm -hmm. it does... If somebody... Nobody doubts that a song is ska, right? Like, like, as soon as you hear it, you're like, that's ska. You'd be surprised. (laughs) There's a lot... It's just kind of funny, because within the ska community, there's a couple bands that are continually like, they're ska, they're not ska, they're ska, they're not. I think the question you're getting at is like, being confined to we're playing ska we are a ska band and we're really proud of that we love ska the thing that i love about ska personally is it is multi-dimensional and at the end of the day what you have is like an upbeat you know you have a backbeat with the drums you have upstrokes with the guitar and that's pretty much what a lot of time makes ska ska like walking bass line and so having those just few elements you can kind of do whatever you want with those. But there is a large amount of music out there in ska that is within the same box. You know, you could hear a few different bands and maybe think it's like the same band. Like that does happen occasionally. But when you get to the root of the music that you can engage with you can do what you you want with it you can tell the story you want you can you can put a chorale section you know Mm -hmm. in a song if you want you can you know write a massive like power violence you know breakdown you know like you can do what you want within the genre so i think it's i think in the opposite kind of freeing because it's like okay we got the upstrokes we got the backbeat we got the walking baseline. We can do whatever we want. I think it's after that. You know, it's exciting. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, certain dishes. You know, as long as you have those main ingredients, it still can fall under that umbrella. Mm-hmm. There's that word. Yeah. I, yeah. Like, what's a sandwich? Right? A lot can be a sandwich. Oh, gosh. Don't get people started <laughs> in that. Oh, man. I was, I was at a, like, God, I don't even know where it was. It was just a friend was just like, hey let's go see mustard plug and i was like okay so i went and saw mustard plug and it was and you know like it was the basement of mm-hmm. some place and you know linoleum floors and i remember that they they had a band with them that opened for them and they played and they were you know they were pretty much punk you yeah. know was the sound which is fine they go together but I remember, I'm going to totally take this out, but I remember they're like, okay, and now we're going to play our one ska song. And I remember like the audience members like halfway through this, they're like, that's not ska. They're like, that's not ska. I was like, oh my God. Hey, they got a reaction from the crowd, I guess. So, you know, yeah. I guess good for them. But that's funny though. But that does go to what Chris was saying about how even now there's that meme within the community of like, you know, a, a band will come on and they'll say, oh, this is our first hardcore song, but now we're going to play it as ska or like kind of playing a cover of something, but they've turned the punk dial up a little bit while still maintaining that this is ska. And that's part of the the fun of such a intersectional genre. You can really mm-hmm. play with the instrumentation. You can play with your own flavor of things 
and you'll end up creating even more discourse within the community of like people saying like oh here's a secret ska saturday where there's this tiktoker who will just post different bands or different songs you didn't know were ska because you know it's so in the public sphere that they don't even remain bound by their genre anymore they're just oh that's that band over there or mm -hmm. that single Chris, I, I'm curious about the beginnings of the lyrics to this song. So yeah. I'm making a few assumptions here because... Assume I, I, away. Yeah, yeah. Please do. <laughs> I saw this as you use the structure in, I want to say like the verses, the beginning of each of the verses is like a mode within a day. And I don't know if that was something to express maybe a short period of time. So it's like a day or was it more of like a this returning to or being able to reference back because you start sunrise sunset moonlight sunrise so it's almost as if this cycle is continuing right so yeah you I, hit the nail on the head yeah oh okay good yeah i am yeah. assuming yeah but, yeah, um, yeah i kind of appreciate that structure because in in a certain sense you you're able to I don't know how to say this in a good way, but you, you're able to kind of document passage of time yeah. and not necessarily like it being a literal day, but having something be quote unquote, a literal day gives some structure to the length of mm -hmm. time that you're referring to. So that it's like, it's only a day. It's not a month. It's not a week. Yeah. It's, you know, cause I mean, honestly, you could have, you could have been like Monday yeah tuesday, tuesday or Wednesday, whatever you know yeah i'm curious like when did that concept come around where you'd be using these times of, mm -hmm. of the day I, yeah you know. yeah well the times of the day really came about more so as like anecdotes i love the idea of just getting an anecdote from throughout the day because i mentioned before that when i started writing the song i wanted to pull from important times in the beginnings of my relationship but in a general aspect when you think back to good memories or good memories with specific people you know you think back to memories of that person usually it's not so overarching you know usually it's like you have like a pinpoint memory and so i wanted that reflected in the song where it's you know like the morning do this in the afternoon you know we're, we're laughing so it's like little snapshots of this relationship developing and you know that happens with all relationships not just romantic ones but also with friendships and you know familial relationships you know you can think back to anecdotes where it was oh yeah when i had christmas with my grandpa like we laughed a lot like in the afternoon so i like the chronological passage of time but also using that passage of time to highlight little anecdotes of a relationship blossoming right. so right. That, that was kind of my idea with the kind of timing of things and then the time comes back at the very end with the, the last chorus after the chorale with like longest forever shortest now so like using those like time-based language throughout to me and and feel free to like correct me a little bit but i always i feel like this has these three sections where it's just the sunrise and sunset those first two and then you have the pickup where it's got more mm -hmm. more uh impulsion more yeah more well, energy. faster yeah yeah faster tempo and then you do kind of a the the third section is the the breakdown of then it's just back to the the slower um but even 
even more than it builds, but it's these three sections. And I thought about with that third section, there's a sense of like slowness, but also urgency. And then I was thinking about when you were saying the longest forever every time, but it's the shortest now every time. I was thinking about how our reflections back our memories, like we'll remember an entire day in like a second, right? Mm. So, because our brain can just process the overall like nuance of it and just there you go boom that's it but it's also like there's that forever but it's also like the shortest right so you've got like that that snap snapshot right in your brain Mm -hmm. processing Um, that forever now yeah processing that long yeah 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 let's turn to to robbie for a second because robbie you mentioned earlier you mentioned that there'd be a corral with the horns and i'm curious you're referring to um what i i'm looking at is like the the pachelbel's cannon kind of sound which and and maybe i'll have to return to this because there's in my mind i'm i'm thinking of why that is in there but so i'm just curious was that something that was arranged after after you came on board and then like how did that come about yeah so that whole section was developed as a result of me coming on board because we were able to let the trombone do more than just hold the bass notes. Now we could have this whole little interplay of, like you accurately identified, Pachelbel's Canon, and make that our own and make sure that we uh, had a little light energy to keep going through the song while still playing with that stretching of time and really having these long notes that will lead into one another in kind of a weird blend of time that kind of goes back to that memory theme that we're talking about where like if you're having these trombone long slides at the beginning what is that slide in relation to the rest of the song is it a way for the trombone to speed up to slow down are they just trying to drag out those sweet moments a little bit longer while they go and glide to the next note uh same with the corral wanting to make sure that each part blended into the next one in a way that kind of becomes amorphous and no longer easily identifiable well and it's really nice because like the blending together in the song robbie plays barry sax and so has a lot of those low tones you know our trombone player eric getting like the mid tones and our trumpet player Kamal gain those like higher you know tones so having that balance between the three instruments you know it's good instrumentation for that interplay of that blending together Evan our bassist he knew immediately that that's what he wanted to do as soon as I gave him the green light he was like oh we have the instrumentation we have the musical inspiration let's really make it fun let's make it jazzy and make it our own Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you listen to our EP, Unfriendly Reminder, most of the songs were arranged and written by our bassist, Evan, a lot of them. And then our guitar player, who's playing guitar on the album, or the EP, Tegan, also had a hand in writing a lot of the music as well. So having Robbie come on board on Barry Sax allowed for them to have that experimentation kind of throughout the EP, which, which was really fun. It's a good time to kind of you know when we have those elements you know of right. ska and then evan and tegan can be like okay cool like what can we you know 
right yeah. what flavor can we add definitely in in the outro part where you're doing the three groupings of the i want the <laughs> longest forever every time you lose that that ska off you know yeah uh, yeah the, yeah the whatever on the upbeat mm-hmm. um but it, it doesn't seem like i don't feel like you're losing anything in terms of like dropping that ska element because then it's just the energy is all just driving forward yeah with, it's uh, just hitting the guitar yeah 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 I guess, you know, it's it's hanging out there, so I might as well ask. So, I mean, I have a theory as to why maybe the choice of Pachelbel's Canon, but let's let's just kind of dive into, so why did Pachelbel's Canon come into and be integrated into this song? Because you were already in D, D major? It, yeah, because <laughs> while well, we were already in D, and two, it just sounds so good that when Evan wanted to do it and wanted to write the you know chorale section he brought kind of like a rough idea of it to one of our rehearsals and it was starting to be played we're like oh okay yeah no this is so good we like a hundred percent we all just really fell in love with yeah how, how it sounded and like the opportunity to highlight the horn section was also something that we really enjoyed because like there's a reason you know there are eight people (laughs) in our band you know uh, we want to highlight all those different characteristics and the chorale section just gave a really good opportunity to highlight the horns when sometimes they're kind of like in the background or they kind of have interplay with like the vocals or you know so it was I really like the opportunity to feature the horns. Yeah, I don't know. Do you have uh, any insight, Robbie? Coming, uh, coming as one of the would, players. Yeah, I, the only thing I would add is that that guitar solo was pretty much developed when I joined, and that was kind of getting drowned out. So what we wanted to do with this part is make sure that we had a horn section that elevated the guitar and really took what Tegan was doing with those arpeggios, with that solo, and made it seem like we were building a platform for him. Mm. And so that it just hits like a wall of sound towards the end. How did the lyrics and the music come together? Yeah, like, how did that yeah. happen? It normally happens almost independently of one another, where I will have the structure for the song like i'll know what key it's in and then generally maybe just like the drums guitar and bass like on the track and then i'll just kind of play the song on repeat and i just sit with the song for you know a few minutes just listen to it a few times and then sketching out the kind of like length of the line i want sometimes i want to fit a lot of words in a short amount of time sometimes you know you want to take things a bit more chill so the lyrics would be written in the vocal melody written at the same time by me as at the same time evan is fleshing out the rest of the song or tegan's finishing the rest of the song we're both kind of writing our own stuff at the same time and then at our weekly rehearsals we'll kind of come together and week by week i'll shave off a little bit more polish up you know, a syllable here or there. Almost every band member at some point has given 
like me notes about maybe some lyrics or like a vocal melody which i'm always super happy with and the same goes with the music writing by tegan and evan it really is like a whole cohesive unit and kind of what robbie was saying in a slightly different context now we're all trying to elevate each other and elevate you know i'm trying to elevate the music that tegan and evan are writing and they're trying to elevate you know the lyrics i'm writing because we want everything to be heard and you know, processed as one. Yeah, we had a lot of reiteration. And I'd say to what Chris was talking about, like everyone has their own opinions. We'll always hear it out. It might not always get implemented, but yeah. we'll we'll spend a lot of time in our rehearsals trying things differently, seeing what can be toyed with. If we should, you know, add a refrain or a, mm -hmm. a repeat or having some kind of totally different solo or something we really pick apart our pieces before getting to the point that we're confident enough to actually record them and say okay this is the final version we want to show the world and i think an important part is that being a fun process the music we're writing and the music a lot of the musicians write is personal you know and they care about it a lot and so you know trying something new or different sometimes can be kind of jarring because it's like wait i spent so long like working on this but remembering that it's a fun process and that you're hanging out with friends and you're just playing music it can be easy to take things very seriously because we care a lot but at the end of the day it needs to be fun because that's why we're doing it you know we're doing it for enjoyment to hang out with people and to connect with others in the community so that's definitely a major goal of ours as a band is to have fun because <laughs> that's what right. it should be let's talk a little bit about like the recording process mm. I'm, I'm curious was this recorded all live or did you do it in sections i mean i would i i kind of figure with maybe the the horn section it's it's good mm. to to do that kind of in its own spot i mean horns are pretty loud we did a mixture because when we recorded we actually hadn't ever recorded with a click before or like using much of a click uh -huh. so we ran into an issue with a couple of our songs of you know having things you know speeding up tempo you know slowing down a little bit and so we started to record a couple songs live with myself and, uh, as the vocalist and the drummer tim so we would have the you know, backing track of evan and tegan playing bass and guitar and that allowed us to not have to be beholden to a click because that like push and pull that was happening you know i mean it happens naturally when you haven't had a long history of being a robot with a click so since this is our first ep that we recorded we were okay with taking away the click for a couple songs and implementing it where it was needed for other songs we'll definitely do things differently next time but there are some things that we're all also going to do the same because they went well and we liked that part of the process as well i I think the only benefit of playing live without the click rather than individually segmenting each part is kind of what you alluded to with the horns being able to balance and blend them all together but the studio we used area 41 music they're really good at separating all of the different parts within their recording studio 
So mm. Chris was in a totally different booth. We were in the same room as the drum just so that we could lock in with the drum kit and make sure that the horns were set to it. But our keyboardist, he was on tour, so he had to do all of his recordings completely separately mm. to our mm -hmm. recordings that had the other seven people. So, you know, we have to work around with what we got. Like Chris said, we learned a lot. I'm really proud of how we were able to play together and really make that naturalistic vibe reflected within the music. Yeah. Letting the music kind of breathe because we're breathless. breathless. <laughs> yeah. So one of the questions I like to ask is what is your favorite part in the song? And so first I'll go to Chris. Chris, what's your favorite part of the song? The very beginning. I love the vibe of just like nodding your head back and forth to you know, like the beat that's laid down and just kind of immediately being like in a groove you know i love where it puts me like right away you mean just before it gets to the pickup spot or just mean like yeah so the where the bass begins right after yeah. the guitar and drums come in with the bass just uh, yeah. like having that rhythm section kind of locked in right away and putting you in that vibe like nodding your head yeah i really like it yeah and very much like the beginning of a day right like you yeah. don't know where it's gonna go but oh yeah you're like exactly. where it's where it's headed totally awesome. the road you're down is looking good so robbie what's your favorite part of the song you know i'm gonna have to copy chris i really love that intro and especially when the trombone comes in with those long glissandos and really stretching out those notes i loved that when i first saw rude echoes live just as, you know, a friend of a friend's band, not knowing that they, you know, were looking for a saxophonist. And when I heard that trombone with that rhythm in the background, it's exactly what Chris was trying to evoke, that feeling of, hey, things are weird, things are crazy, but you can just nod your head, kind of vibe for a little bit. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be survivable. And then that puts you in the perfect headspace to experience the rest of the song and then the, the rest of the set. Why did you pick this song as the song you wanted to talk about today? I picked this song because it's the song that made me want to join Rude Echoes. Like I said, I heard that rhythm and that soul in the horn and in the bass. You know, a lot of people are good. There's no shortage of talented people in the different communities I've seen. But after the pandemic and having had to put music kind of on the back burner professionally for a little bit hearing this song made me realize no i have to get music back in my life again oh that's so sweet i love that i like the idea that this is a song that brought you in mm -hmm. but then your incorporation into the band you got to also redefine how the song was done yeah which is it, I, that's kind of that's a cool like twist on just like it's the thing that brought you in but it's also the thing that you got to influence in your participation and so. it's better for it too yeah, which yeah, is yeah. beautiful you know like I, it definitely is seeing the iterations of the song it's best the best version of it is the current version hmm. you know which i think is really great it was very much a green flag that i was able to join this existing band put my own stamp on a lot of these existing songs and add my own ideas and really feel like it didn't matter you know whether or not i had been there since day one or 
whether or not today was my first day, everyone within the band was really open-minded and willing to listen to what I had to bring to the table. Tegan uh, went to go to pursue some other like really cool stuff uh, with like Tom West and a bunch of other people. So Cody joined on guitar. If you see us live, the breathless guitar solo will be slightly different because now Cody's putting his own little flavor on it live mm-hmm. and you know putting his own flavor on some of our other songs. And that's, I think, also a great thing about being in a band with people that want to have fun and spread a good message is that everyone is there to yeah lift each other up and be like yeah if you want to take that you know guitar solo like an extra four bars like okay yeah let's go for it mm-hmm. you know if you want to do that guitar solo and i don't know if we want to do some weird key change uh, let's go for it you know uh people are open to that so that that's good why did you pick this song to be the song you wanted to talk about today it's a personal song for me as i mentioned before there aren't many songs out there with the representation for non-binary or gender fluid folk and so having a love song about that was important to me and that i wanted to make sure that your listeners knew that kind of like what Rudecos was you know there's a movement in ska called new tone because there's different kind of like waves of ska and different periods of ska the current movement you know new tone is just about representation about fostering that community making sure that every concert is like a safe space and you know really trying to push that social justice agenda yeah <laughs> you know yeah. yeah for for everyone Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Jubilee Cafe. Jubilee Cafe is a free weekly meal program at Community United Church of Christ, 805 South 6th Street in Champaign, Illinois. Jubilee Cafe serves a home-cooked meal from 5 to 6.30 each Monday. Their mission is to feed hungry people by cooking healthy, delicious meals and by serving their guests restaurant-style with servers waiting on tables. Jubilee Cafe is open to anyone who cares to eat with them. Because food insecurity among students is so high, they serve students as well as others in and around the Champaign-Urbana community who struggle with hunger. Meals are free to all and will be served each Monday evening, located in the accessible lower level of the building at 6th and Daniel Streets in Champaign. For more information on the meal or how to volunteer, Go to the Jubilee Cafe CUCC Facebook page or email them at jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. That's jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. Welcome back. Robbie, as a student in Champaign-Urbana, what was your favorite Champaign-Urbana venue? I gotta go with Cranert. I'm sorry to be so basic, but Cranert Center for Performing Arts was just so beautiful. I felt like I really got to see every nook and cranny of that building, from performing in the Hinesley Band as a student, to attending concerts, and even then graduating from MCB in that same hall that I was performing in, I felt like I really got to know every part of that building, even the rooftop we would take walks over. So Cranert, I I got a huge place in my heart for Cranert, but I also have to shout out all of the DIY venues, all of the Urbana co-op basements and 
Clark Bar and all mm-hmm. of these different places where you know we're we're carving out a venue out of these homes and making a real community beyond just the glitz and the glam of the big rehearsal venues. Yeah, basements yeah. are where, are where it's at for sure. Heck yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I guess Chris off mic, we kind of talked about you're not necessarily I want to say a native of Champagne or Banner, yeah, but yeah, but you did mention that you potentially had a favorite champagne urbana band oh so yeah for i sure. i think uh go ahead and let us hear i what love Longbirds. Longbirds is so good i love skate punk and i've always loved punk and uh you know the folks in Longbirds are just so nice and wonderful and like their energy is so wonderful live like it's it's just you know it's three of them sometimes four if they're playing the song with the trombone they have such an energy about them yeah definitely Longbirds. 100 percent. they're so good Robbie, what do you think makes a good music community? I'd say openness, people being willing to accept new acts, new people coming into a community, seeing and experiencing new sounds and showing people what sounds you're already passionate about. One of my favorite things about Champagne is that as a music scene, it really doesn't matter what genre you're doing. You'll you'll see a lot of shows, especially in those basement venues, where three different genres are being used in three different acts sometimes two different acts will go across three different genres i've seen a lot of instrument switches halfway through a performance here and it's so cool seeing that openness and willingness to see something new hear someone's perspective and learn from that and chris what do you think makes a good music community yeah similarly to robbie i think inclusivity with identities and people especially having that openness not only for instrumentation and for genres but for the people attending those shows there's sometimes a lot of gatekeepers in genres and in music scenes saying oh well you weren't here for this last show you should have been you know you should have been there but even if it's an offhanded comment like oh yeah you should have been there man it was so good you know I, i think there can be a negative outlook sometimes like people are trying to hold their scene for themselves, you know, like, cause they have this ownership of it cause they love it so much and that love is great, but you know, let's share that with people and try and share that with different groups of people that are coming into the scene. I think one great example of having a music community that is open is have a song where only girls are allowed in the pit, like let them have like fun in the pit because it can be, you know, dangerous sometimes maybe and they want that opportunity to dance you know have a opportunity for you know queer persons to you know come to the front and like engage with a song that they connect with you know i think having openness to different groups of people is something that all communities should strive for you know 100 percent for sure some sometimes i how do i say this I worry about how do I mm, okay I'll just say it um sometimes I worry about inclusivity in the way that um ha, well more of I worry about how to get to that point mm-hmm. because in some ways to be inclusive sometimes you're calling a person out and that's not necessarily specifically inclusive you know mm-hmm. it's it's like in in its own manner it can sometimes be the thing that doesn't feel inclusive. Like to have mm-hmm. like 
I don't know. I, I guess I, I so that's really more of just like a a, a head exercise. I want to think about yeah, is yeah. like how how do you do that where it's not something that specifically like makes someone feel like they have to step forward or be you know what I mean? Like yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Just, no, I I see what you're saying. That for example, like I guess the example that I just mentioned. I think asking you know giving an opportunity for like all an only like female identifying circle pit for example let's say i think giving the opportunity for inclusivity without having it pushed upon people so you're kind of like allowing inclusivity to exist without like rejecting certain people's wants or needs if someone doesn't want to like go to the front of the stage then they shouldn't you know like they should you know like people should be able to be comfortable and do what they want but i think providing the opportunity for people to do something maybe that they might not want to do or sorry uh that they feel they might not be able to do i think is important like i don't think calling out various identities in a negative way like oh everyone in this identity like you need to take three steps back because i've been at shows where sometimes that's happened like in basement shows where uh, a far left punk band that means well is like all male identifying people you have to go to the back of the room you know like let everyone else like have a chance at the front and i think that's the wrong language to use mm. i think better language is queer identifying people if you want to come up to the front of the stage feel free to do so i think that's a way to one example of inclusivity that's bad and one that's inclusivity is good mm -hmm. you know i think it's the way it's your approach with it yeah, i think is important it's like yeah. the difference between having barriers taken down or like making space for people who are marginalized versus just rotating who gets marginalized that day yeah i think with all spaces especially you know subgenres and these communities of marginalized people we always need to make sure that we're approaching these topics with a lens of education rather than you know scolding we don't want to be treating people like this is some kind of pop quiz that you had to study for and like you need to know all the terminology and use mm -hmm. it perfectly all the time and if you ever do anything that's like wrong unintended or otherwise yeah. you're excommunicated from the community mm -hmm. that's not the vibe we want to go for it's all in pursuit of that acceptance and good vibes for as many people as possible so by definition right. even when we're trying to explain to someone why using certain language or doing certain things might exclude others we want to use it as welcoming and as educational of language as possible rather than just you know woke scolding them being like oh how dare you you're a bad person and all these judgment statements mm, totally gotcha. in some ways you know that that answer that well doesn't answer but that speaks to like the bigger picture of what a safe space really is right mm -hmm. so it's not where somebody feels like they don't belong it's where it's so broad open in terms of who belongs that there's no exclusion yeah that it's only invitation not exclusion yeah yes that's a great way to and, it. and my okay. first exposure to anyone who identified as non-binary was right here in uiuc i mean meeting cj run and knowing that not only were they expressing themselves as non-binary but being able to pursue their music to the furthest degree that they could 
was really empowering and really great for a lot of the other people I was hanging out with in Champagne because that doesn't really require a lot from other people. All you have to do is just accept that this other person is being true to themselves and then, you know, update your language as necessary. But CJ was always super chilled. They never would like get on someone's case if they misgendered them by accident or anything. It's understandable if they were frustrated by it because it's an everyday thing. All of that, whether it be, you know, within the champagne community, broader Midwestern communities, I think the more you've had to deal with this kind of marginalization, the more you give people grace when they're not necessarily handling things in the most perfectly educational, like, this is a teaching moment way possible. And CJ Run, episode 17. Everyone has their own path and their own road they're on when it comes to learning how to respect like the largest amount of people and like provide the most space for others that's why it's also really important to listen to others and like listen to marginalized persons and i don't know what their experiences are you know i'll never know what it's like to be my brother-in-law you know he's a black man in indiana and i won't know what it's like but talking to him about his experiences the things that can give me a modicum of insight you know, into that. I think a lot of times it's quick to be like a battle in the conversation when topics of identity are brought up. You know, it's, this is my view. This is, that's your view. Let's like throw things, (laughs) throw verbal things at each other and see where everything lands. Having more of an open conversation and a dialogue is important. Yeah. Making it more of a dialogue rather than a lecture or making it a comparison and sharing of experiences rather than, you know, whose oppression level is the highest and therefore their power level makes them right. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Exile on Main Street. Exile on Main Street, located in the old train station building at 100 North Chestnut Street in downtown Champaign, has been helping to build record collections since 2004. Carrying a wide array of new and used LPs, CDs, and video games, Exile on Main Street has something for just about any music enthusiast and old school gaming devotee. Exile also hosts regular free live music shows on its stage, so be sure to check out their Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for the up-to-date details on the next upcoming event. Open seven days a week. They can be reached by phone at 217-398-MAIN. That's 217-398-6246. Welcome back. So, Chris, what is your favorite non-musical thing or things? I really enjoy rock climbing. Rock climbing is a big hobby of mine. been bouldering in Chicago for a few years now, and it's because I really hate running. I really dislike, you know, lifting. I like working out through activities. So I played a lot of Ultimate Frisbee in college. So rock climbing was an avenue to you know keep like fit but in one of the most relaxed ways <laughs> possible where you just climb a wall come down 
hang out and like talk to other people while you're resting. It's very much a community thing at the rock climbing gyms. So that's also what drew me to it. You know, it's a lot of that openness. Anyone can share tips with each other. People are very friendly. So that's what drew me to it a lot. Yeah. Do you have a, like an outdoor park that you like to go to or like where mm. it's like not, not the climbing walls, but yeah. like that it actually has, you know, you're climbing mm-hmm. rocks. Yeah. Is a spot? The best spot that's the closest is Devil's Lake in Wisconsin, in my opinion. It's about three hours from Chicago, but it is gorgeous. There's a plethora of really nice outdoor spots that you could go to, but there's a couple parks in Chicago that they have like man-made boulders that you can like climb on near Chinatown and those are always fun as well because you just go get some bubble tea like kung fu tea and go over to the park and so it's great so yeah there's there's spots but it's fun Robbie what's your favorite non-musical thing or things I am a huge gamer I say this with all of the shame that is needed (laughs) for that statement you know, it's kind of cheating because there is a lot of music in video games, and trust me, I love all of that. I especially like Super Smash Brothers, and the Super Smash Brothers community that was here in Champaign was a huge boon to my social life and being able to have something to get out and do something and f- meet people uh, through this video game. That's what I really like about video games, kind of like what Chris was talking about with bouldering. I don't really care about what the hobby is as long as there's a way to meet new people and that those communities are chill and you know willing to teach people new things chris robbie thank you for being on the show and telling me all about your song breathless what makes a good music community and of course your favorite non-musical things so i really appreciate you coming all the way out here and being on the show yeah appreciate being here thanks for having us thanks for having us Thank you for listening to Champagne is Also a Band podcast. This is Chris and Robbie from Rude Echoes reminding you, great great music music is out there. Go go find find it where you live. Champagne is also a band. You almost have an NPR voice. It's so good.